Well, we've been going through the book of Luke, and uh, today we're going to continue in our series in Luke chapter 9. But it's actually a, an important weekend in the life of Vintage. This will have almost certainly passed you by. Uh, but over the last three and a half years, we've been on a little steady journey towards planting out from Vintage Santa Monica, of slowly separating our like structural systems and our finances and our support and everything from our big uh, mother church on the west side. I mean, over the weekend, as we tipped from one financial year into a new financial year, we actually reached the end of the journey. Um, and so you can now turn to the people around you and say, this is us. This is it. There's nobody else. <laughs> um, and so we uh, separated out our finance and our HR. And so now Vintage is a completely um, independent uh, church, part of the C4SO network, the HTB network of churches. Um, and don't worry, we'll still get to go to focus with our buddies on the west side. And we still love them. And we'll still send Christmas cards. Um, but, but this is an amazing adventure. And um, it's, it's incredible to see all that God has done over the last three and a half years. Uh, despite the pandemic, despite everything that we have faced, isn't it amazing to watch how God has birthed a new community which is thriving, thriving and bustling? I, I have to pinch myself sometimes. Um, but even over the last year, honestly, it's been a remarkable year. Uh, a year ago, we moved into this uh, wild old space. Uh, we have seen God grow ministries all over the place. A lot of our ministries have either doubled in size or they've grown really significantly. This year, we've seen uh, people coming to faith through Alpha again. We've had amazing nights of worship through Kingdom Come, through prayer nights. This year, we sent our first teams internationally into Mexico to help bless and support uh, and encourage what God is doing on the ground there. Some of you were out there uh, earlier in the year. Uh, and we've continued to work with Claris Health, with um, STARS, with Door of Hope. I was out with those guys on Thursday night as some single mums graduated their program, went from being homeless with their kids to having their own places, to getting their kids into education, to getting work again. Just amazing what God is doing in that place. Um, um, the last year as well, we, we had our first outreach project onto the streets of Pasadena, working with in people experiencing homelessness. And on top of all that, we had um, our first ever food bank with Fuller. So it's been a big year. I mean, I'm looking tired, and, uh, <laughs> and I knew I'll probably too, because this has been an amazing adventure that we have taken together. And I am so just astonishingly grateful to all of you, because there is no way, no way whatsoever that Laura and I could do even a fraction of those things on our own. There's no way we could do it uh, without you. And of course, there's no way that we could do it without God's amazing provision in the life of, of vintage. And I, and I don't just mean big spaces. Uh, don't even just mean, you know, like volunteering or even finances, but just the way that God's kingdom has bubbled up around us. Um, it's been amazing. Um, and so today we, we launch into a new phase of our life. And uh, that feels daunting. It feels exciting. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe so much that the best of vintage is yet to come, that we're just getting going. And we're so grateful that you are part of it. So we're going to have our reading, um, which is the next little part of Luke chapter 9. Um, Ben's going to bring it for us. And it's Luke 9, 10 to 17. So if you have your Bibles, always great. Otherwise, it will be up on the screen. Luke chapter 9, 10 through 17. When the apostles returned... They reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. And the crowds learned about it and followed him. 
He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About five thousand men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Thank you. Now, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard that passage no more than a million times, probably. Uh, But there's something really fascinating about the context in Luke's gospel. If you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus sent the 12 out. And one of the things he sent when he sent the 12 out was he said, don't take food, don't take possessions, don't take anything with you, I will provide for you. And if you remember, they go out into the countryside and into the towns and they see people healed and they see demons uh, like cast out of people and provision of God comes in amazing ways. But then just a short while later, they're back with Jesus and they're out on the hillside. I have this picture of like one of the first ever Christian conferences looking out over the Sea of Galilee, maybe. And it's kind of late in the afternoon. And so the disciples, being like good church kind of employees as they are, they come up to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, like, this isn't good. Like, hospitality problem, please, boss. We've got no food. We've got no accommodation. There's basically about 5,000 men. So there's probably like 20,000 people on those hillsides. That's about the same as the Staples Center. Okay, so that's less basketball, same people. Less screens, same people, right? That's the kind of idea. And, and they're out there and they say to Jesus, like, send them away. Like, we cannot provide dinner for all these people. But just notice what Jesus says in verse 13. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. It goes this, it says, you give them something to eat. Brilliant line, right? Imagine I said to Carla this morning, hey, it's a holiday weekend. Uh, there's probably 20,000 people in Old Town this afternoon. Can you just give them something to eat? Right? It's like completely bonkers. You can't do it. And of course, uh, John's account says that Philip comes back and he's like, well, Jesus, that's, that's half a year's wages to provide dinner for 20,000 people. And then Andrew, this other disciple, he walks in and he's like, oh, Jesus, I found this little kid with his lunch. Like, it's ludicrous. Like, here's a kid with some lunch. That'll solve all of your problems, Jesus. I can imagine, like, all the disciples looking at him going, like, what is, what is wrong? And it's not like this kid's got a big lunch. There's a picture there, like, like some slider rolls and some fish sticks, basically. Not even an In-N-Out burger. Like, nothing, right? But what does Jesus do? He takes it. He lifts it to heaven, he breaks it, and then he distributes it. And they start to serve dinner, one by one by one. 20,000 people later, there's enough dinner for everyone, and there's 12 baskets, which is an incredibly significant number, left over at the end. Like, how can that possibly be? 
Now, if you've, like me, heard this story a million times before, you can almost let this kind of slip over your mind. It's like, oh, that's when we learned when we were six. But just allow the enormity of this story just get into your heart again for a moment. And the reason we're looking at it, as well as it being the next bit of the story that we've worked through, Luke, is that this is what kingdom economics looks like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like when it breaks through. And it's simply like this. God loves to use what's in our hands to bring blessing. Do you know that? God loves to use the things that we have in our hands to bring blessing. So my question that I'm going to ask you quite a few times is simply this. Like, what has God placed into your hands today? What has God placed in your hands today? When Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them, the request seems somewhere between completely impossible and completely unreasonable. There's no way, no way that these poor fishermen, disciples who've given up everything to follow him could possibly have enough in their hands to feed 20,000 people dinner. But yet, what Jesus seems to want to do is he wants to take 12 messed up Jewish dudes and a small child and bring radical transformation. And it strikes me that that's pretty much always what God does. That's pretty much always how God works. When God wants to do something, he doesn't usually do it on his own. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, I, you know, I believe, and maybe you do too, that God is infinitely powerful. I believe that God can do pretty much anything that he wants to. But yet it seems to be interesting to me that he almost always says, I'm going to include you in the miracle. I mean, Jesus didn't need the disciples to provide dinner. He could have found another way to provide dinner, but he invites them and this little boy into the story. And it strikes me that that's what God always does. He wants to invite his children into the Missio Dei, his plans. He wants us to play. He wants us to adventure. He doesn't do it because he needs us, but he does it because he wants us to experience his power. He wants us to grow in faith and trust. He wants us to grow as disciples because he, he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And actually, it's really fun. It's as we bring the things that are in our hands that God does something amazing. And I believe this morning, I believe that every single one of us, whether we're brand new to faith or just exploring, whether we're just visiting, I believe that every single one of us carries something of God's kingdom in our hands. That there are things that God has placed in your hands and he's placed in mine for transformation, for healing, for blessing. Now, you might be sitting there on this slightly warm morning and going, do I? Really? It's quite hard to know the things that we might have in our hands, isn't it? It might be that as you come this morning, you're like, if I do have anything in my hands, let's be honest, God, it's not very much. It's small, it's insignificant, and maybe I don't think there's anything there at all. But let me just ask you a few questions. I want to get you thinking about what it might be that God has placed with you. First question I have for you is this. Where has God placed you in time and space? I don't mean in a warm, stuffy church on a Sunday morning. Like, but, but where? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your energy? Where do you spend your days and your weeks? Who do you have access to and relationship with that other people don't? In the middle of the pandemic, if you remember all the way back then, to this first Thanksgiving, 
we would, couldn't see our friends, we certainly couldn't see our family. And that first Thanksgiving, we realized that there was a community of a few families experiencing homelessness, living under the road bridge at the end of our street. And so my, my wife and our two kids, we went down to the end of the street and we took Thanksgiving dinner and we shared it with this uh, little group of people. And over the next years, we, we actually got to know them really well. We got to share life with them. We got to hang out. We even ran the Alpha course for them in a nearby park. But the thing that always struck me was how deeply disconnected they had been, they were to the rest of society. They'd been cut off, they'd been shunned, they'd been judged, they'd been put out, out away from everybody else, and they didn't know anyone. And for, for that period, whilst we lived in that place for two years, like we, we, few of us here in this room, we were like the, the main point of contact, supply and services to that little community of people. Like who has God put you in contact with to love and bless? Secondly, um, what is it that you find easy that other people find hard? Now, I don't mean you're the best in the world. You might think you're the best in the world. But what is it that you actually just find a little bit easier than some other people do? I know in this room, there are people who are amazing at hospitality, like much better than I am. They just love to care for others. I know in this room, there are people who are very organized, much more organized than I am. I know there are people here today who are encouragers, who are great cooks, who are brilliant with children. I know there are people who are just great with their hands. I know there are people who are creative. In fact, I know there's a lot of people here who are very creative. See this on the screens. Um, Madison and Jacinta and our youth teams, they're actually doing it right now, have started painting this amazing mural of vintage into the high school room upstairs. Um, you'll notice it's not quite finished yet. But like, that's people coming together to use their creativity to do something beautiful in the kingdom. What is it that you find easy that other people find hard? Thirdly, what are your spiritual gifts? Now, that might be an alien phrase to you. It might be a little confusing in regard to the second question, but do you know the things that God's actually put in your life? the spiritual gifts, the things where actually when you do them, you feel the presence of God working. You feel his power going through you. Again, doesn't mean you're the best in it, but there's something of spirituality that works through you. Do you know your spiritual gifts? And then fourthly, what is it that you receive regularly that God might invite you to give away? What are the possessions you have? What are the opportunities you have? What's the things that are in your bank? What are the things that God's literally put inside your possession and your control that might be for you to bless others? Now, the truth is, you might still be looking at me blankly because you might still go, I still don't know. I still don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know what God has given me. Because sometimes those things can feel just so small that it's like, well, that's not going to help anything anyway. But I, I wonder, like, going back to that little boy, I wonder whether he woke up that morning thinking, I'm going to bless the world. I imagine probably not. I imagine he probably thought he was taking his pack lunch for his mum from his mum and he was going to eat that day. But God had a bigger plan. I think it was probably only when the disciple actually got hold of the little boy and recognized something that he had that something shifted. And it was only as Jesus took that and multiplied it, that's when the miracle happened. You know, how easy is it for me to count myself out because it feels like what I have is so small? 
Sometimes, actually, I think we really need other people to help us figure out what God has given us. Do you know that? Like I, when I was a young adult, um, which was a while ago now, sadly, <laughs> right? I had these dreams. I was like, I'm going to change the world. I wanted to be a professional musician. I wanted to be a professional sportsman. I'm like, I'm going to stand on stages for Jesus. I'm going to be in auditoriums for Jesus. It's going to be incredible. The truth is, I wasn't actually that good at any of those things. And it took this two-pronged like, approach of godly, beautiful people in my life who love Jesus and love me, who on one hand could say, actually, maybe not. <laughs> maybe you're not going to do that for me, but maybe you're going to do this. Maybe you have this. I- I'm extremely grateful to people who have called the gold out of my life. Have you ever experienced that? When someone has actually said it, like, I see something in you. I think we sort of walk around with the assumption that we all have a great view of our own character and our skill set. I'm actually coming to the conclusion that I might have the worst view of my own character and my skill set of anybody of you in this room. Why? Because I don't actually see it in action. I stand behind my own eyes. I actually need the perspective of other people who can say, I see you. I hear you. You can do something that's incredible in the kingdom. I wonder even before you go home today, whether you might go up to somebody you know and call something out. Don't assume that that person knows everything about what God's put in their life. Because the truth is every single day, rather we internalize the messages, you're not good enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not gonna make it. You're not clever enough. Your life's too much of a mess. How could we call the gold out? So we've got, to re- we've got to recognize, like, God has put something in our hands. But it's not actually enough, I think, to just have something in your hands. I mean, I, I've got here this morning, um, I got this little box. Uh, I didn't wrap it because you wouldn't want it if I did. But my wife, who's much more creative and beautiful than me, gave it to me. And, and inside my box is, is actually something important. It's something helpful. Um, And I'm thinking I could maybe give it to, I don't know, Seth, would you like it? You'd like it, okay. The the problem is, is that it's in my hands, and if Seth wants it, I have to give it to him. And the problem is, if I give it to him, then I won't have it anymore, and so therefore I don't really get the benefit. So I've, maybe Seth, instead, maybe I could stand here, and you could benefit from it like this. Is it working from you? Is it working for you? It's not. Interesting. Maybe if I come a little bit nearer, is it working for you yet? No. No. Okay. Mm. Honestly, the only way that he's going to get any benefit is if I actually have to give it to you. But the problem is if I give it to you, I won't have it. So, uh, all right, dude, here here you are. Feel free to open the the gift. It's a better lunch uh, than, 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 than some loaves and fishes. But do you, this is a silly analogy, by the way. <laughs> but do you see the point, right? So often we go, well, I've got it. I now know what it is. But of course, I'm not going to give it away because that would defeat the whole purpose of having it. The miracle in the story happens when something is given away. The boy's lunch was extremely valuable to him, but it only became a miracle when it was given to Jesus. There is something about having that means giving in a generosity kind of way. And we know that because we know what Jesus is like. You know, when God looked at us, 
he actually gave his most precious, his most perfect, his most intimate and personal thing he could possibly give. He gave his son away to us in the most costly act of generosity ever. Generosity happens when we actually give. Now, the problem is, I know that feels hard, doesn't it? The idea of being without something that you feel like you really need is really hard. And it's so easy to feel like, well, I don't have enough anyway. It's not going to make a difference. How often do you find yourself maybe saying, well, like if I was like that person, yeah, then it would make a difference. Man, if I was great with a guitar, and we've never found somebody like that at Vintage yet. It's a joke. Nobody, nobody laughed. Anyway, sorry. Um, sorry, Tom. Uh, if, <laughs> if I was really creative, if I was a great leader, like if I was great at public speaking, if I was good with kids, if I had loads of time free, if I had money in my savings account, like then, right, then I would be, I could change the world with that. But, but what I have, I have is not going to change anything. But I love about this passage is that it reminds us that it doesn't really actually matter what you start with. Because it's not about you adding to what God has. See, the kingdom, human economics, and I studied business and economics at undergrad, is usually about, it's usually about addition, right? You know, in a business, it's like I, I bring my thing, you bring your thing, and together we've got a new thing. And the new thing is either good enough or it's not good enough. But actually, I think kingdom economics is very different to that. Because kingdom economics is, is actually not that you bring 50% to the table and God says, well, that's good, I'll match your 50 and now we've got something that's good. It's actually rather that you bring like almost nothing. I bring almost nothing. I bring maybe 1% if I'm really lucky and having a good day. And God multiplies it. Because the kingdom is about multiplication. It's about exponential growth, right? We hear that from Jesus over and over again. The kingdom is about growth. And so God takes this tiny thing which we think is imperfect and broken and weak and not going to change anything and God multiplies it to do something absolutely transformative. And I don't know in this story where the miracle happened exactly. I don't know if it was that they just took the baskets and they just kept going. And they just kept going. I don't know what happened in the prayer. I don't know what it happened. But what I do know is that it started with a few loaves and some fish, which doesn't seem to be enough. And by the end of it, a miracle had happened. God wants the tiny things so he can do something amazing out of it. And honestly, four years into our vintage journey, isn't that what has happened here? You know, four years ago was a couple of people meeting in a living room, dreaming about a church, thinking, wouldn't it be amazing and to run Alpha and do things? Like, four years on, all that we see and everything that's going on around the city and the building is, is a result of people bringing the little that they had. You know, those first families, some of you are here today, like, I know you didn't think you had enough. And I know when Laura and I arrived off the plane from England, we were pretty certain we didn't have enough of anything. And when we had our first service at Hamilton, we definitely realized we didn't have enough. And then when the pandemic hit, we were absolutely certain we did not have enough to build a church. But what has God done over four years is he's taken individual people who have brought the little that they have, brought their time, brought their energy, brought their skills. And, and he's multiplied and multiplied it. You know, in case you think that this whole place is all run by a massive staff team and it's all like very shiny, I, I promise it's not. 
You know, we have people like Parker and Alyssa who run our welcome team as volunteers. We have Victor who runs our prayer ministry team. We've got VKids volunteers, welcome volunteers, people who do parking. They're volunteer people who give up just the little that they have and God multiplies it over and over and over again. It's kind of what Jesus says. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I can't tell you how many times I've thought, this is not enough. This will never be enough. You know, exactly a year ago, uh, the Vintage Board set us the challenge. They said, you've got to increase the regular giving by 50% if you want to move into this building. And my response was, there is not enough. There's not enough. There's no way we can do that. And we set out on this year, and we, all the way through the year, we tracked it. And you know, over the weekend, we closed off one financial year. And by the incredible miracle of God, we had a 50% increase in our giving last year. Incredible. You don't seem that excited. You're obviously not on the board. <laughs> I am incredibly excited by that. We've seen like, new ministries happen all, all over the place. The, the bad news is, is that this year, the board have said, we need a 50% increase in our, in our regular giving. And they said that not because they just want to build a mega church. No, but they said that because together with the ministry teams, we've identified these amazing areas where God is opening doors. And I just want to tell you for a couple of minutes about some of them. Um, just this morning, um, we've made a new appointment to the staff team. We, um, we've been identifying that this is a critical moment in the life of Pasadena for youth ministry. Right? We realize that teenagers need mentoring and training and discipling more probably than they've ever needed it before. The messages they're bombarded with. Um, and so I'm really, really pleased to introduce you uh, on the screen at least. This is Katie. Some of you know Katie. She is our new middle school pastor. She's up there somewhere with the middle schoolers and VVS. And so she'll be here for 20 hours every week. Um, I'm amazingly pleased to announce that we're going to be moving preschool and nursery to their own dedicated spaces for the first time this year. They're going to have their own dedicated place up on the top floor. And we're doing that because, honestly, that ministry keeps growing so fast and babies keep turning up that we don't know where to put them anymore. Um, but I also want to introduce you to, to the latest member of the nursery family. Um, here's a little picture of baby Yawan. If we've got him. Where is he? That's Katie. That's not Yawan. That's for. Okay, there he is. Um, born to Laura and Micah, uh, church growth by breeding program. Not, not a thing, just saying. Um, I also want to introduce you to Emiliano. I think he's in the room actually somewhere. Emiliano, somewhere. He's right at the back. Um, he is joining us. What a great photo. Uh, he's joining us to work with Tom because we realize as well in, in the city there is so much need to communicate messages of hope and truth particularly in digital spaces, that people are so bombarded with stuff that is not true or helpful that we want to provide a better messaging of the good news of Jesus. And so Emiliano is going to be with us. It's great to have you, mate. Thank you for, thank you for being with us. 
Um, you heard last week that we're going to be moving the marriage course into the old coffee shop, hopefully across the street. We're going to take that over for the fall, and we're going to invite church families and non-church families to come and have their, have their, their lives invested into and hear about how to build strong and healthy marriages. Uh, this year, and in August, we're hoping to send some teams back to Mexico um, to build and dig and provide to build a school um, out there. And if you are free in some of August and want to come down for a weekend to build and dig, um, then we'd love to have you for that. We've got a new ministry happening on the streets that you heard about this morning. We've got a VBS full of church kids and non-church kids. So much, so much. And that's just the beginning. Now, here's the truth. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have anywhere near enough to do all of these things. Even more so when we need another 100,000 to put some air conditioning in this building. We don't have enough. But God can multiply so much more than we can ask or imagine. And, and Laura and I realize like, it starts with us. It doesn't start anywhere else. It, we, we realized even this week, we were like, okay, well, God, we, we are going to have to talk about our, our time. We're going to have to talk about our energy. We're going to talk about how we use our resources. We're going to have to talk about how we tithe to the life of the church because we can't ask anything of anyone else that we don't give of our own hands first. And so our conversation this week is what can we give of our lives away? But the, prob- the promise is, is that God will always multiply. I-, I love this little thing from Mother Teresa when she says, we all long for heaven where God is. But being happy with him now means loving as he loves, helping as he helps, giving as he gives, serving as he serves, rescuing as he rescues, being with him for the whole 24 hours, touching him in his distressing disguise. It's an incredible blessing to walk along the story of God's provision and his mission. So I want to say again, like, what's in your hands? This morning, what's in your hands? Now, I, I realize again that that might feel hard. Some of us come into a place like this this morning, you know, we're tired. Life is full, debt is real, pain is real, loneliness is real. It can be so, so easy to count ourselves out of these kind of conversations. But I just want to remind you of one final thing, if you feel like anything like that. And I just want to remind you that God's generosity is unlimited. It's unlimited. What I've discovered in my life is that you and I can can never actually outgive his generosity to us. I mean, there are so many times, honestly, when, when Laura and I have gone to the brink and we've gone, God, I know you did this in the past. Like, I know vintage was fine last year. I know we were okay last year. Like, I know it was okay, and I know you've always been good to us, but not this time. Like, this, is, this is too far. We've, this is, we're too close to the edge now. There's no way that you could actually carry us through this bit. Like, it can't happen again. And I want to tell you that every single time I look back and go, oh, but it can. <laughs> oh, but it can. Because God just keeps going, doesn't he? His generosity is so, so much greater than our generosity. And some of us, I know you guys, many of you, you have these stories, you tell me these stories all the time that God is more generous than you are and he's more generous than I am. You know, I think about that little boy. I wonder if he left home that morning with his packed lunch. Because we give our kids, we give our kids packed lunches as well a lot of the time. 
And sometimes our kids are not very good at, at like eating their packed lunches. And so at the end of the day, they'll come home and, and Laura's always like, okay, did you eat your packed lunch? And often it's like, mm, yeah, I ate my packed lunch. And then you, you say, open your bag. And, and they open their bag and it's like, you did not eat your packed lunch. You know, did you? It's still there. I wonder what that, this little boy's mum did, right? I wonder at the end of the day when he got home and his mum went, did you eat your packed lunch, Jimmy? And he said, well, yes, I ate my packed lunch, mum. And he said, open your bag up, Jimmy. Opens up his bag and there's like 12 basketfuls of food inside the bag. But I wonder what it looked like. like but let's just be clear. The boy gave his lunch, right? Just look at the process. It wasn't a promise to the boy. Hey, give us your lunch because I'm going to give you something amazing. Give us your lunch because I'm going I'm to provide a feast for you, son. No, that's not the promise in the story at all. Give your pack lunch and then see what happens. And I think the problem is, and we find this conversation hard, I know, in churches, is because things like the prosperity gospel have kind of broken the story for us. Because what they basically say is that if you do something, God will do something better in a straight line, right? You know, if you give an hour of your week to the church, you will get a holiday to Hawaii in the summer, right? If you give $1,000 of your money to the church's offering, you will find a Gulfstream jet sitting on your driveway when you get home. You're welcome to try it. But the problem is, of course, is that God doesn't work in straight lines. You know that, right? There's no contract. There's no contract. The stages are important. The boy gives his lunch. That's it. That's literally it. He then has no lunch. That's a problem. And then God does something beyond what he can imagine. And the problem is, is that some of us get stuck along the way because we can't see the end. Right? And so we get stuck in the middle somewhere. And we feel like, well, God's not good because he hasn't come through. But the problem is, is that we just can't see it because we can't see the whole story unfolding. You know that? You know, like five years ago, Laura and I, we, we literally packed up our lives and, and we left England. We left our friends and our family. And honestly, it was worse than leaving behind some fish and chips. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was tough. And over the last five years, we've, we've missed saying goodbye to loved ones. We've missed family weddings and funerals. We've missed birthdays. We've got relatives we've never met. You know, we've done the whole lot. And honestly, there have been times when it has felt exactly like giving up everything. I mean, it's like this is lonely and hard, and we've just given everything here. But when I, when I now fast forward five years, which I have not been able to see at certain points along the way, the benefit... And the blessing and the kingdom that we've experienced compared to that tiny insignificant thing that we gave up is not comparable. It's just not. Honestly, like on Easter Sunday, I stood literally here and I baptized Will. And he was just like crying, my son Will. We baptized people who were experiencing homelessness. We baptized single moms. We baptized young people and old people. It was amazing. You know, we've seen, as we see people come to faith in this community, as we see lives transformed, it's like, it's not, it's not comparable. Like, we gave up a lunch, and God was so kind that he did all of this. It's not, it's not the same. And along the way, it was hard, but God was always working, you know that? He's always working. And I, and I just say that to you this morning, not to try and get something out of you, but I just want to encourage you, because some of you are in the middle today. You're actually waiting in the middle because you're like, I gave my lunch and I don't seem to have anything now. 
And I just want you to know that God is still working. He's still unfolding. He's still writing it. It's just that he doesn't usually draw straight lines. He does beautiful tapestries that go in unexpected places and timescales that you and I don't understand fully. Have faith. Hold on. Hold on. So um, as I close, I, um, I just want to read one verse from you from Paul, and then I want to just offer a couple of points of response, and then we're going to sing. Um, Paul says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap, uh, will have a, whoever reaps uh, generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful um, giver. So maybe, um, maybe this morning, if you're just visiting and uh, you're going back to your own church uh, next weekend, whenever, then just take these things and run with them and use them. But maybe if Vintage is your church, uh, maybe this morning you'd like to just sign up to volunteer in some way. Join a team. Uh, I promise we never have enough volunteers. <laughs> never. We've got VBS running upstairs on like skeleton staff. We nearly didn't have a nursery this morning. Like, could you just give a little bit of your time once a month to help us on a parking team, on a worship team, on a kids team? It's not that costly, I promise. We'll make it fun. Maybe, maybe though you recognize that you've got something of hospitality in your lives. In the fall, we're going to be launching a whole bunch of new community groups. And I can tell you already, the problem is going to be not leaders. It's going to be homes. Because it's so expensive to live in here in LA that we have community group leaders who cannot host groups because they don't have big enough places to have 10 people in their homes. Maybe even this morning, you know that God's given you a home that you could open for 12 weeks, 12 evenings over the fall and invite a group of young people to come and study the Bible. But maybe it is, maybe it is financial as well. I mean, I mean it when I said Laura and I sat down this week and we're like, okay, well, we're in more. But I wonder even if you're here and maybe you've been part of Vintage for a while and you've thought, well, I can volunteer, but you know, finances is not really where I'm at. I'm not going to give anything. And I just want to encourage you and make the opportunity as we do every week just to say, please do consider tithing. Please do consider giving. Um, we love it when people give like monthly, that helps us a huge amount. It helps us individually because we don't have to worry about it. It just happens. But maybe this for the first time, you might just consider giving anything. It might be the first time you've ever given anything to a church. But I just want to encourage you to, to sow that seed just to see what, what God will do with it. Because I, I believe, I believe that there's so much more for vintage. I believe that there is exponentially more for vintage. I believe that there will be churches that will be planted out of here in the years to come. I believe that there will be people trained up in ministry who will go all over the world. I believe that even one day there'll be air conditioning in this building so you don't have to sit in uncomfortableness. I believe these things. <laughs> but it starts with, with me and Laura and with all of us. So should we pray together? And Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything that you have done for us. Thank you that every conversation that we can ever have about giving anything back to you is just so insignificant compared with what you gave to us and what you continue to give to us every single day. Thank you, Jesus. And today we, we pray that you would 
just help us to know what you've put in our hands. You would help us to recognize, even for the first time, in ourselves and in those around us, the things that you've done and that you are and your, and your kindness. And then, Lord, please, would you help us to know what it means to be those people of generosity and open-handedness, that you would take the little things and you would multiply them in wonderful ways to see your kingdom um, come. So, Lord, we love you and we bless you And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would use us for your kingdom in our surrender, that we would see amazing things happen of life transformation in the year to come. So be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.